This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. Welcome to the Be Here Now Network guest podcast. This series features talks from a myriad of modern spiritual teachers expanding on how we can all live a life in balance. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash guest. It's interesting to see how many people will come to something that's entitled pain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. How many of you are working with people in pain? How many of you are working with pain in your own bodies? Okay. Good. There's really no way that in two hours we can cover the subject of pain. Indeed, in Who Dies, the chapter on pain is the longest chapter. And I'd like to do a couple of experiential things which you can then use with your own pain and with patients in pain. So I'll try to keep the discussion to a minimum. What I would say, though, is that anything we say about physical pain applies to mental pain as well. What we've come to see in working with people often who have what has been considered intractable pain, unbearable pain, is that resistance is most of what people call pain is actually resistance. Resistance amplifies pain, magnifies pain. If I who has had a lot of pain in this room? Let's just okay. What is pain? Tightness, fear, anxiety. Do you realize that no one has given a physical description of pain? What? That is also its sensation. Terrible is resistance. How come I see that again? Because we only have two hours, we could go all the way around but the point will probably come out to be much the same. That even though we've experienced pain numerous times, we don't know what pain is. Why is that? 
I was sitting with a woman who had had migraine headaches for nine years. And those of you who had had real migraines know that it is as powerful a pain as most people ever experience in a lifetime. Consistently, often daily for long periods of time, she had pain. I asked her, so what's pain? And she said, it's awful, right? Yeah, it's... Um, the closest we came to a description of it was when she said tightness. She said, it, it's awful, it's horrible, it makes me uncomfortable. We got into this thing, and all of a sudden she heard that she wasn't describing pain. She was only describing her reaction to pain. I was working with a woman who had... Um, a spinal tumor, which had come to the point where she couldn't lay still for more than, she couldn't hold the same position for more than 10 or 15 minutes, even at night, very restless, very disturbed sleep. She knew these multiple, she knew the holistic ways of working with pain. She knew some American Indian methods. She knew some of the Oriental methods. She said none of those were working for her anymore that there was just no way out, and that all that was left to her now was prayer. She was just praying for something to come and relieve her pain. Actually, she said that she was praying when the phone rang, and I said, I understand you have some pain. <laughs> God moves in very mysterious ways. <laughs> uh, we did a meditation which had to do with, of all things, exploring what is pain, which we're going to do later on. After which she said that it was for the first time in years of pain that she actually had ever allowed the direct experience of this thing, which was the most horrible enemy she had ever met in her life, as she put it. Now, if you have an enemy, how do you come to overcome your enemy if you're into the game of overcoming enemies? You have to get to know the enemy. And when you find you know the enemy, you realize you just are coming to tune in on another aspect of the same suffering that's inside of you. In the I Ching, for instance, in the hexagram, the army, it says that you really can't expect to overcome your opponent, until you have rid yourself of that which you find despicable in him. All our responses to pain is a pushing away. And of course, that's, that's completely natural. No one has ever told you that pain was okay. No one has ever demonstrated that pain was okay. So how are we ever to know our pain when every time it has arisen, we've pulled back from it? Now, of course, you know, you slam your hand in a car door. The opportunity to be able to open around that and investigate is going to be very slight, if at all. Unless you have worked some with your minor headaches, maybe with a toothache, maybe with um, the tension in the body that results in pain. Because we haven't taken the opportunity to look at the little pains. When the great pain comes, there's, it's hell. We're in a vice. This woman said that after she did this exploration of pain, the woman with the spinal tumor, that she came to see that everything 
that she had learned to use everything from aspirin and morphine to the various meditations I just mentioned. Every one of those, she said, you know, every one of those is based on getting rid of pain. She said, so in a very subtle and pernicious manner, they intensify pain because they are reinforcing resistance. And it wasn't until she directly experienced her pain that she found out pain was workable. People think, well, pain's unworkable. Not so. There is nothing. Nothing in life that is unworkable. She, uh, her, her story is a good deal more length in the book, so I don't want to repeat a lot of that. But after she had explored her pain, meditational practices that she knew for working with pain became much, much more effective. Because then, instead of reinforcing the resistance, because she was learning to respond to pain with softness, the softness allowed the means of dealing with pain in. Now, this is true of healing, too. When you push away your disease, when your tumor is to be gotten rid of under any circumstances, when you've closed around it, how does the healing get in? When you have a pain in your body, you can feel the body, the flesh, almost form a fist around it, trying to squeeze it out of existence. That fist needs be open for pain to become workable. The key word in working with pain that I've found is the word softening. A magic quality, softening. The word relax does not have anywhere near the power of the word soften. Even in the sound of the word relax, hard, soften. And your um, mental set, your association with the word relax may be a very unrelaxed one. And how many times have you been told relax by someone who was clearly not relaxed at the time? Very tricky, our association with that word. And although the word is used because of this recognition that resistance amplifies and intensifies pain, the word is used, relaxation, doesn't quite have the power. It doesn't get to the point. When you start to encourage this fist to soften, to soften, to start to open around your pain, the pain begins to float. Yes, the pain begins to float. Just as in the meditation we did a couple of days ago, as you noticed the breath floating in space, sensations, thoughts, feelings. Pain, too, can float in space. Actually, what happens is you've got a pain, you know, this size, as big as a baseball, we'll say. And the whole mind contracts to push it out of existence. The whole mind contracts. And what is your experience? Your whole experience is pain. Take that same pain and start to soften around it. Start to open around it. Start to let it float. Let the mind soften. Let the fear that meets pain begin to melt. The pain will stay the same size, but the experiencer will greatly expand. Pain will no longer be your whole experience. 
You didn't have to do a thing to change the pain in order to experience pain in a different manner. Now, we've even seen this work with people who are using morphine for their pain. That once they started to soften, open, let pain float, which means let it be. It may be the first time in your whole life you ever let pain just be there. Because all of our conditioning is otherwise. In this country, I heard a statistic, I can't even remember it, it's so enormous, but this country consumes 20 tons of aspirin a day or something like that. Probably 20 tons of Rolaids to go along with it. (laughs) Even people who are using morphine have found that after they opened, they can decrease their doses of morphine. Because that which has walled off the pain, that which has amplified the pain, has started to be worked on daily in a softening process. Also in the investigative meditation of what pain is, there comes real insight into how sensations are experienced, what sensations actually are. They aren't thoughts. The direct experience of sensation is not the thoughts associated with the sensation, the nonverbal direct experience of pain changes radically. And I've seen people who have been in very intense pain say, after moving into the pain, after letting their awareness explore what is pain, I've heard them say that they would be hard put to say that the experience was one of pain. Yes, it was pressure. Yes, it was tingling. Yes, it was movement, perhaps heat, perhaps cold. But to call it pain was really not what it was and that what they had always called pain was the way they responded to discomfort. The analogy is very clear. I find, interestingly enough, um, and it's not universal, but I have often found that the people, the terminal patients we have worked with who have gone deepest into their exploration of their true nature are those who had the most pain because the object of their difficulty was so evident and that as you start working on physical pain, the whole analogy of resistance in our lives, the whole analogy of holding in our lives becomes painfully evident, as they say. So I think that working with physical pain can give us an incredible amount of insight into how we resist. I mean, if we were going to give a single definition of hell, it would be resistance. So it's like, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but in Dante's hell, everybody passes into a... uh, passes beneath an arch that says, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. And most people think that's the curse of hell. Actually, that's the way out of hell. Because the thing that keeps pain going, pain in the mind, emotional pain, pain in the body, is the desire for it to go. When will it go? I hope. Hope's based on fear. When you have no fear, you'll have need, no need of hope. Yes? Hope is expectation. The thing, if you watch pain closely, you'll see that the two questions that the mind repeatedly brings up that most amplifies resistance is, where did this pain come from? You know, what does it mean? And when will it go? The hope. It is the hope that creates the hell of pain. When you can just sit with it as it is, open to it, let it float, the urgency that creates a contraction dissipates. 
Now, with emotional pain like uh, fear, or um, let's take one that's a, a sense of unworthiness. Yes. Um, you can see how when the sense of unworthiness arises in the mind, it scares us. We meet it with fear. Now imagine meeting the sense of unworthiness with love instead of fear. Where would it have to go? You would just see it as old karmic momentum having to play itself off. There would be a sense of unworthiness in the mind, but there would be no one feeling unworthy. In the same way that you're uh, working with pain can be, such that there can be pain in the mind, but there's no one in pain. Or there can be fear in the mind and no one afraid. Working with physical pain is, contains an incredible insight into how we hold in our life. Yes. Well, but all emotions have corresponding sensations in the body. Part of that has to do with becoming more um, sensitive, perhaps through meditation, um, to sensations in the body. Uh, the body is always giving off incredible amounts of sensation. And the mind is capable within a relatively short time of being so focused that you can feel, can almost feel cells, cellular um, interaction, fluids. And it seems like it. You can get to the very vibratory where you where you'd be hard put to call it body. It's just energy vibration. And at that point, you can see waves in the energy vibration, and you can even tell the body can become like a Wilson cloud chamber, for instance. The cloud chambers were devices that they used. They couldn't see these particles from outer space. And they, you can't, they didn't have microscopes and such. So Wilson came up with this thing, which was a dense cloud, and when the particle went through it, you couldn't see the particle, but you could tell the different particles by the different trails they left. And your body can get like that. Your body can be the most, can, you can get so sensitively attuned to your body that you can tell what emotion is going to arise in the mind before it's even arisen by a sensation, by a certain trail in the body. And then anger, fear, all those things, you can, right as they arise, you're right with them. It's not when you're already terrified or when you're already enraged, in which there's very little space. You can get so sensitive, so sensitive that, ah, that tingling, why, ah, there's the thought that follows it. And you're just sitting there watching it in a kind of fascination with the process. But I mean, you're right on when you say that there's, you can, see, it's very nice to get so um, tuned into your body that you can work with with emotions as sensations, which you can do with it. You can start visualizing them and start rolling them up very slowly, but you have to have a pretty good concentration. Roll them right back to the source, and then take that source, and run it down your shoulder, and you can run it right out your hand. And I've seen people get rid of chronic pain by a couple of hours of working with that, and chronic emotional holding as well. I'd be, I don't know enough about pain to be able to say for sure that there really is a difference between pain and chronic emotional holding. I think maybe there isn't. I think if there was no chronic emotional holding, pain, our experience of pain might be very different. Because, you know, culturally, experiences of pain are very different. Very, very different. And it's not that, you know, an American Indian has a greater capacity for tension. His whole relationship to pain, he wasn't given a, a zuzu every time he hit his finger. Pain's not an emergency. Animals, you could be with animals, they can 
their experience of pain is radically different than our experience of pain. And it isn't that sensation and stimuli that the mechanism is so different. It's the relationship, how pain is met, seems to be very different for different peoples. And I think that has a lot to do with self-image, emotional holding, tension in the body. There are theories about illness that seem so for some people, and they are not so for everyone. For instance, some of the greatest saints ever to live have died of cancer. Cancer may indeed be the gift for the person who has everything. I think that there's, that there's um, it's very complex. I, I wish that the holistic people were really more holistic than they really were. You know, any whole, it's interesting that the holistic people don't include death. How can you call it holistic if you don't include death? I mean, it's a form of healing. It's like one woman I know who had this healing circle. She had had a, a cancer and had gone away, came back. She called a healing circle, extraordinary people there, some real, some real heavies. People that were outside the circle said the energy was palpable in the room. About an hour of that. Uh, a week later, she broke out in 30 new tumors, secondary metastases. She said, ah, the healing worked. Because um, that was her natural healing. That was the next. Healing has to do, at one level, with the next evolutionary step. Uh, my sense on another level of what healing is, is that healing is the balancing of the heart and mind, and that really healing occurs in the heart. The mind is already so rabid, so much jumping around, I think the heart work quiets it down and makes room for that, that tension so it softens. Because that, you know, if you work in the mind on the mind, you're just going to make more trouble for yourself. It's very tricky, and we could do a whole long thing on what my hallucination about healing is, and it's really not important. But um, healing ain't what, it, what people think it is because illness is not what people think it is. People deal with symptoms again and again and again and always forget to say thank you. Those symptoms are incredible messages of holding. I mean, you, you pray for a, a, a guru, and you get a pain in your back, and you say, gee, if I could, didn't have this pain in my back, I could get a guru. I mean, everyone thinks that their guru is going to come, you know, his belly's going to hang over, and he's going to have a plaid blanket around him. Your guru may be the pain in your knees that show you what holding is, to tune you into the suffering of the universe. If suffering made a sound, the atmosphere would be humming all the time. And it may be the pain in your body and the pain in your mind that really starts to bring you into your humanness. It may be the most exquisite gift like Jesus saying, you know, how on, you know, how I just gave it to you. You want to give it back. Schlub. <laughs> when you think you can't heal, in the moment of thinking you can't heal, you block healing. Of course, in the moment of thinking you can heal, you block healing too. But in the, me- in the, in the moment of allowing, just allow. Let your flesh be goose pimply, let your heart be open, and just let God come through you. Um, incredible things happen. Actually, everybody has the power to heal. Everybody has the power to heal. It's no big thing. I've healed up burns with my hands on my children in a couple of days. It's no big thing. It does not have any special power or anything. Actually, all a healer does is get out of his own way. And those healers who think they heal are the least powerful healers I know. When you, it's that don't know, open, 
whatever there is, let it flow. And it flows. I have a friend that's an a, um, orthopedic surgeon. On, actually, he does heart surgery on, on even newborns. He was telling me, he says, he was talking, we were talking about pain. He says, you can see in children how, he says, you could take a six-month-old. He says, you could almost operate by just rubbing their belly. He said, you know, he said, they could have a bad injury. You can just rub their belly. He said, for instance, we'll say this, uh, such a thing as a number six pain. Number six pain for that baby, just rubbing his belly, just petting his brow, just touching his face. That same being, when he's like two or three, takes a little more. Five or six, he needs a couple of aspirins and a hot bath and his belly rub. Ten years old, he definitely needs a shot. Sixteen years old, and you know, he needs three shots or whatever. And he said that he thought that that had something to do with, first of all, the identification that pain's an emergency, clearly, and learning to hold on to pain. But also, the more uh, our identification with being the body, as that grows, our resistance and fear of pain, and what you're doing is blocking that accumulated resistance with that. Pain is interesting because we all experience it, but really we've spent so little time investigating it. And, and grief and guilt and all of that. When we come to it and we instantly take a right or a left, so we never get to know it. Now we could do an exercise, and I think that might be nice to do an exercise that will demonstrate this. Um, now what we're going to need to do for pain meditation is, obviously, take a position and not move. No, no, no. Take not a painful position. Just sit. Just sit. But you'll notice that in any, you, as soon as you put the body in any position, eventually pain will arise in the body because the nature of body is the capacity for pain. No. Well, no, it, that would be, that is another thing. There is no such thing as comfortably as possible, as you'd see. If we, that's another one that's very interesting to try. You might, at some other session, want to take, or any time, at some other point, take the most comfortable posture you can, laying down in bed, 12 pillows, laying in a hammock. See how long it stays comfortable. See how long you can hold the same position before your dis- the discomfort um, is evident. Now just take a position and hold it. This is what's called a vow sitting. You're going to vow not to move. Uh, for the exploration of pain, this might be useful. And I'm going to talk a little bit just so that you can get into it before we start the meditation. Take a position and don't move. I mean, don't move your arms. Don't move your head. Don't scratch. Don't move. Don't move. Lock in. The discomfort of moisture in the lip, or that, that's all just discomfort. Just let it be. Take a position and do not move. Let your eyes close. Let your body be still. Let the breath be soft and easy. And 
bring your attention to the area of discomfort. Feel how the body pushes against the pain, how it tries to cramp it out of existence. Feel whatever tension, whatever holding exists around that pain. and begin to soften. Gently, moment to moment, let the area all around the discomfort begin to soften. Soften the flesh. not attempting to get rid of the pain, not attempting to change it in any way, just let it be and begin to soften all about it. Soften the tissue, the ligaments, the muscle, the flesh, the skin. Let the discomfort just be as it is. No urgency. Let the fear that resides so close to it begin to melt, to dissipate. Just softening. Just let the pain begin to float free. Nothing to do but open. Open the body around the pain. Let it float. Let the tissue soften almost at the cellular level, soft, pliant, non-resistant flesh. Let it just be there as it is, beginning gently, gently to float in the body. Soften the muscles. Soften the ligaments. 
even soften the bone, soft flesh, soft skin, soft muscles. Let it just be there. No resistance, no grasping. Moment to moment, opening all about the sensation that mind labels pain. Soft. Moment to moment, the tension leaks away from the body, softening, deepening its soft, pliant openness. The pain just beginning to float, floating in the body. No resistance anywhere. Not even the least attempt at controlling, at changing. Let that tendency melt away and just be there as it is, this sensation floating in soft, open body. Soft. Floating. And in the mind, thoughts of pain, of urgency, of tumor, of cramp, the thoughts that amplify resistance, just let them float free. No urgency, nothing to fight with. Softening in the body, softening in the mind. Let that sense of fear, of tension melt from the mind, from the body. Just let the pain float free in the body. Thoughts like, when will it go away? Where did it come from? Just bubble thoughts passing through the vast, open spaciousness of awareness. Thoughts of injury, of doubt about the pain. Let it just soften this mind. Let it just float. If you notice the body beginning to tense again, just soften. Soften around the pain. Open all around it in the body, in the mind. 
don't hold, no resistance, just this floating. The sensation floating in the body, the thoughts light, light in the mind, just bubbles, no urgency, no fear. Now let your attention move gently, gently, directly into the midst of that sensation the mind labels pain. Let the awareness move directly, softly into the midst of that sensation, floating, floating in soft, body, received in soft mind. Let the awareness investigate this sensation from within. What is pain? Is it moving? Or does it stay in one place? Staying soft, just allowing the sensations to be received. The awareness moving within the sensation moment to moment. Does it change? Or is it a constant? Is it hot or cold? Does it have tendrils that move somewhere else in the body? Is it the same as a moment before? Staying soft and open, letting the sensation float in the body, the awareness penetrating to the very center gently. Does it have color? Does it have sound? What is this thing, mind labels pain? Is it one steady sensation or multiple tingling? Is there pressure? 
Does it move from one place to another? Moment to moment, investigating, exploring these sensations. What is this? the body be soft, again and again, letting go all around the sensation, letting it just float in the body, in the mind. Awareness within this experience. Is it one thing or many things? Does it change in intensity from moment to moment? Or is it always the same? Now gently, gently bring your attention back to your breath. Just feel the sensations of the breath coming and going. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.